chapter 6, verse 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Other translations call sluggard lazy bones. Yeah? So go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep... A little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. And then from chapter 24 from verse 30. I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard, of someone who had no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Thanks, Carl. Let's uh, pray before we uh, think about those words. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you that you uh, are a loving Father uh, who made us and who made a world in which we can work uh, for your glory and for our good. And Lord, we ask that as we think about what it means to be wise uh, and particularly what it means to be wise in work, we ask that you would give us wisdom and understanding, that you would open our hearts to receive your words Uh, and that you might uh, make us more and more into the image of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, We ask it for his name's sake. Amen. Uh, Well, it's probably true to say, I think, that whether we're paid or not, all of us work. Uh, All of us have stuff to do, uh, whether we're old or young, whether we're at school Uh, or whether we're retired even, there's work to do. Uh, There's just stuff that needs doing. We work to earn a living, we uh, work at home, we do the washing, we mow the lawns, we cook dinner, we do the shopping, we wash the car. Work is just part of who we are. It's part of what we have uh, to do. It's part of our responsibility. It's part of our life. But what does it mean to work wisely? How can you be wise in work? Or how can you, for that matter, be unwise in work? What what would it mean to be unwise in work? That's what we want to think about this morning. What does it mean to work wisely? And what does it mean to work unwisely? And Proverbs has lots to say about that. So what is it that Proverbs then wants to teach us about work? Well, maybe the most important thing that Proverbs wants to teach us about work is that work is wise. To do work is wise and to be lazy, to not do work is foolish. 
So Proverbs chapter 10 verse 5, you'll find if you have that sheet that many of the Proverbs that I'll reference are on that sheet. So the next one down after the two that Chris read, Proverbs chapter 10 verse 5, He who gathers crops in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. So the child who doesn't help with the family work is a disgraceful son. We all, we've all been there, haven't we? You know, we're cleaning up after dinner and there's one child, there's one, there's one brother or sister, there's one sibling who's not doing anything. Proverbs says that's disgraceful. But it's not just in the family context. Anyone who sits around while there's work that needs doing is a disgrace. In contrast, the one who helps when there is work that needs to be done is wise and prudent. Or Proverbs 15 verse 19, the way of the sluggard is blocked with thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. That is, the life of the lazy person is actually a difficult life. We think that laziness, it means an easy life, but the writer of Proverbs says, actually... The way of the the person who works hard is the easy life. That's the wide, expansive, easy way. Or Proverbs 12, verse 24. Our diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in forced labor. It's the same idea again. We think that a lazy life means that we can do whatever we want, but actually the writer of Proverbs says, God says, that in the end, laziness leads to a kind of slavery. It actually imprisons you and enslaves you, often, to others. According to Proverbs, the main reason why that is the case, the main reason why diligence is wise and laziness is foolishness, is that work generally leads to provision, to having a roof over your head, to having food to eat. Work generally leads to that, while laziness leads to... poverty so chapter 10 verse 4 lazy hands make for poverty but diligent hands bring wealth or 20 verse 13 do not love sleep or you will grow poor stay awake and you'll have food to spare or uh, look again at that proverb that chris read for us chapter 6 verse 6 go to the ant you sluggard consider its ways and be wise well how is the ant wise The ant is wise in that it doesn't need someone to tell it to work. It just does. It can see that there's a need. It just goes out and does the work. It works hard. It stores up provision for a rainy day. The thing about working in an agrarian society, the thing about living off the land is that uh, at some times of the year, there's work that needs to be done. You need to collect the grain. You need to store it up for the time when there's nothing to eat. If you just work what needs to be done every day, just enough food for that day, when it comes to, uh, to the time where there's, when there's nothing growing, you won't have any food. You need to work hard when the work is there to be done. And that's what the ant does. It works hard when it needs to so that it can store up provisions so that it has food to eat. In contrast, the fool just lies in bed wanting just a little bit more sleep. The fool just sits in the armchair, folding their hands, thinking that everything's good. I have enough food for today. What can possibly go wrong? But then, 
The writer says, scarcity comes on them like an, um, uh, like an armed robber. That is, they, they jump out of nowhere. Nobody ever goes, you know, goes uh, to the shops and expects to be involved in, a, in an armed robbery. And, and the writer of Proverbs is saying, Solomon's telling us, that that's what poverty is like to those who don't work. It just comes out of nowhere. No one's expecting it. It's the same in Proverbs 24. Scarcity comes on the sluggard like an armed man. They thought they had more time. They thought that they could make up for it later. They thought that they'd just relax. But the end result is that they have nothing to eat. It's interesting to think about the perspective of Proverbs because when we think about work and wisdom in work or when we think about what uh, work we should do, when we think about what career we should take up, we tend to think in terms of primarily in terms of job satisfaction. And that's not wrong. It's not wrong to pursue a career which is uh, enjoyable and, and rewarding. But that needs to be balanced by Proverbs' focus on the wisdom of working to provide. That's the main function of work in the scheme of Proverbs. Work is the way that we provide for ourselves that we provide a roof over our head and food to eat, and it's the way that we provide for those who are dependent on us. The chief benefit of work in Proverbs is not satisfaction primarily, but food. And the chief cost of laziness is not dissatisfaction, but poverty and hunger. If you're lazy, it will cost you. It will cost your family, it will cost those around you. You might not have enough to provide for those who are relying on you. And worse, you might think that you're tracking okay, you might think that you're going along okay, but laziness has a way of kind of catching up with you when you're least expecting it, like the armed robber. The years of indolence, the years of laziness suddenly come back in the form of poverty and financial difficulty. You suddenly find yourself in need, and the writer of Proverbs says, Solomon says, God says, it will be your own fault. You've brought it on yourself. Now, that's not to say, uh, that's not to say that if you're poor or struggling financially, then you must be lazy. It's a logical fallacy. Uh, It's not to say that if... uh, that, you know, that the solution to poverty is always just to work harder. There are other reasons besides laziness for poverty, like injustice or lack of available work. But it's important for us to realise that laziness can be a cause. And so if you constantly find yourself in financial difficulty, uh, it's worth asking the question, is the reason, uh, uh, is reason external factors? That might be. Uh, or is the reason actually possibly tied up with something about me? Is there something that I need to address? Understanding that also, I think, helps us to understand and to think wisely about what to do with the poor around us in the world or even uh, as part of our families or, or our, our social networks. How do we help the poor? 
Well, how we help the poor depends in many ways on the reason that they're poor. So, as we've seen, some people are poor because of injustice or poor because of circumstances beyond their control. And the Bible often urges us to help those who are suffering in that way, help those who are suffering unjustly, or help those who are in need and are beyond the ability to rescue themselves. But some people too are poor because they're bone lazy, because they're fools. And Proverbs is often pretty blunt, not just with poverty, but with all kinds of foolishness. Proverbs is often pretty blunt about how we should deal with fools. It says that we should leave fools in their folly. So we can give fools advice, but often they won't listen. And in fact, sometimes offering fools advice in Proverbs is an act itself of foolishness, because you can't win. But we can offer advice, but it's not our job to try and prop up the foolish and the lazy. In fact, often in Proverbs, to endlessly bear with a fool is itself foolish. The Apostle Paul puts it pretty starkly in his New Testament letter to the Thessalonian church when he says, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. If they're not going to work, they shouldn't eat. And he's not talking about people in society, he's actually talking about people in the church. He's saying if, there's, if, if they don't have enough food to eat because they're not working, well, don't help them out. It's pretty, it's pretty shocking. But God has encoded, if you like, into the world the natural consequence of laziness. It's the natural result, the natural cause and effect. And to some degree, we need to let that play out. We can give people advice, we can help them try to become diligent if they want to, but at some point we also need to say, the actions that you're taking are leading to those consequences and you need to live with those consequences if you're not going to take action. As I said, that's when people are lazy, not, just, not when they're uh, suffering poverty because of injustice uh, or other circumstances. So laziness, Proverbs says, is foolish and working hard is wise because laziness leads to poverty and work, generally speaking, leads to provision. But if we're to work wisely and to not be foolish, it helps to know what it looks like, what laziness looks like kind of in everyday clothes. So Proverbs tells us a few things about laziness. First, it says that the problem with the lazy person is that they never begin anything. The problem with the lazy person is they never begin anything. Proverbs 6 verse 9 and 10 says, How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. In other words, the sluggard just lies in bed and never gets up. They never even make an attempt to start. They just, they never get out of bed in the morning. So maybe that describes you, maybe actually literally not being able to get out of bed in the morning, uh, or maybe just you're an eternal procrastinator. You're always putting things off. There's always a better day to do this work. Uh, 
maybe you do, as I said, you, you do never get out of bed. Maybe you never get up out of the armchair. You're just constantly sitting in the chair and the to-do list is just getting longer and longer and longer. Uh, not because there are more things that are coming up that you need to do, but because you're too lazy to cross anything off. You might always be saying to yourself, I'll do the washing later. First, I'll just sit down and watch TV uh, or I'll read the book or, uh, uh, or I'll do a few things in the garage. And before you know it, the day is gone and you haven't done any of the things that needed doing. So here's a tip. Uh, instead of saying, I'll relax first and then I'll work, say, I'll work first and then I'll relax. Say to yourself, first I'll vacuum the house and then I'll sit down and read my book or have a cup of tea or whatever it is that you want to do. Instead of saying, I'll watch TV uh, and then do my assignment, say, I'm going to do my assignment and when I finish that, I'll watch TV, I'll relax. And not only will you get your work done, but you'll enjoy your relaxation time a lot more because at the end of it, you won't have the low-grade guilt hanging over you. Gosh, uh, I wish I could really enjoy watching this movie, but I can't because I know that at the end of it I have to do my assignment. You won't have that because you will have done that. The lazy person never begins anything. Second, the lazy person never finishes anything either. Proverbs 26 verse 15. A sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He is too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. There it is. They look. It's so attractive. It's so attractive what's in the dish. They look at it, they put their hand to it, but it's just too hard to get it back up. And they just sit there wanting, wanting it, but they just can't finish. They can't finish what they've begun. They can't do it. It's too hard. Now, it seems ludicrous that anyone could live like that, but actually, is it really that ludicrous? Maybe your garage or your craft room or whatever it is is full of half-finished projects. The deck out the back is half-built. The bathroom is half-finished. The lounge room is half-finished. The dishes are half-done. The dinner is half-cooked. Or the job is half-baked. You keep starting new projects because new projects look exciting. They look fun. But finishing projects is actually hard work. And so your hand just stays stuck in the bowl and you never finish anything. It's been said uh, that the last 20% of a job is 80, takes 80% of the work. And I reckon that's probably about true. When I was, a, um, when I was working as a computer programmer, uh, I worked on a large multi-person, multi-year project uh, and I reckon we, we wrote almost 100% of the code, we wrote the bulk of it in the first, I don't know, five or six months of the project. We then spent the next, I don't know, maybe three and a half, four years testing, tweaking, changing things just a little bit. All the fun was actually the first six months, designing, building, and then the next three and a half years was pretty... Hard work, just finishing off, dealing with users. Oh, gosh. <laughs> if you could build programs that no one ever had to use, it would just be a dream. 
But to endlessly begin projects and never finish them is just lazy. We need to be people who finish things, not just people who start things. So if you have a multitude of projects uh, at home, then go home today and sit down and think to yourself, how am I going to finish these things that I've started but I haven't finished? Or, Or think to yourself, do I even need to finish them? Maybe I should just say, actually, that was a foolish thing to start in the first place. That's just ridiculous. Sit down and work out whether you should finish them, and if you do, how can you do that? But learn to be a finisher, not just a starter. Third, a lazy person is always making excuses. Proverbs 26, verse 13. A sluggard says there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. In other words, I can't do the work because I'll get eaten by the lion. My favourite story is of a friend of mine whose brother was asked by his father to put out the rubbish one day and he said, I can't do it, there's a lion in the streets. It's like, are you kidding me? We just read that proverb the last, last night. How can you be so stupid? Maybe for you, though, there's always, it's just, there always seems a reason why, why not. There's lots of work to do, but there always just seems to be a reason not to start it today, not to finish it today. Maybe it's too hot today, or it's too cold. Uh, or maybe you need more time than you've actually got, so uh, I won't bother doing anything today, I'll just leave it for, to do it all in another day. Uh, or maybe you don't have the right tools, and so it's not worth starting. Of course, the alternative is that you can just get on and do it and you'd probably be done in half an hour. Uh, but you don't do it, you just sit there and make excuses. I, I, have, I, I only live in a relatively small place. It's a two-bedroom two unit and it probably takes me about 15 or 20 minutes to clean the whole house. You know, I used to work as a cleaner. I'm pretty efficient. It takes me about 15, 20 minutes to clean the whole house, right? To do the basics. And yet... It is the hardest thing to begin. I always go, oh gosh, I won't do it today. There's other things that I should be doing instead. But then, but then it only takes 20 minutes. At the end of it, I think, gosh, I'm glad I did that. Why didn't I just do that two hours ago instead of sitting there for two hours thinking, ah, I don't think I'll do that. We always make excuses. But we should get on and do it. Fourth, the lazy person mistakes talking about work for actually doing work. Proverbs 14, verse 23, all work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. That is, the lazy person never does anything. They just talk about all that they need to do. I've got so much work to do. You wouldn't believe it. Uh, Or or they they just talk about how they're going to do it, uh, or just talk about having to do it, whatever it is, and there's a place for planning and discussing and working out what to do, but there's also a place for doing. We find it so infuriating, don't we, that our politicians endlessly talk about things and never do anything. They launch inquiry after inquiry. Uh, every time a new political party gets into power, they launch the same inquiry that the previous political party did. Uh, and you think, at what point will we stop talking about what to do and actually do the things that are recommended? We get so infuriated that they do that, and yet we do it so often ourselves. We just talk about what needs to be done. I better not do that. I better launch an inquiry into whether or not I should do the dishes tonight. 
just launch an inquiry into that. Uh, we had an inquiry the night before into that as well, but came up with the same results. Don't just talk about doing it, do it. Fifth, the lazy person uh, might be doing things. A lazy person might do lots of things, but they never make any progress in them. So Proverbs 26 verse 14, as a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. So the point of that proverb is not just to say that a lazy person is always stuck in bed. The point is to say that they're like a door hinged to their bed. That is, they never, like a door swings, a door can swing wildly back and forth, but it never, it never goes anywhere. It just stays in the same place. And lazy people can be the same. They swing back and forth. They might kind of have all the appearance of busyness, but they never go anywhere. So you don't have to be lying in bed or sitting in a chair to be lazy. Uh, We've all found ourselves, I'm sure, uh, standing in a shop waiting to be served, and there's uh, there's a small horde of shop assistants standing behind the counter all doing various bits of apparent work, but nobody actually helping you or helping you to solve your problem. And you stand there and you think, will anyone serve me at any point in the near future? They have all the appearance of working, but they're not actually accomplishing anything. They're just taking one box from one place and then taking it back to the place where they got it from. In the same way, you and I can sit at our desk diligently all day long to spend 10 hours, 12 hours chained to a desk but never get anything done. We could spend 10 or 12 hours uh, on the job site and have nothing to show for it at the end of the day. Oh, I cut a piece of wood today, dug, dug a hole, dug a hole, but that's it. Uh, your colleagues may produce twice as much as you in half the time. Uh, sure, different people have different capacities and we have to understand that, but some people too are just lazy. They swing around like a door on a hinge. All the appearance of work, but never achieving anything. So laziness is one of the key threats to work and to productive work. But there are two things, other things, I think, that, that Proverbs highlights as well that are worth mentioning as well, other dangers uh, to work. The first other danger is that we pursue empty dreams rather than productive results. We pursue, pursue empty dreams rather than productive results. So Proverbs 28 verse 19, those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty or Proverbs 12:11 Those who work their land will have abundant food but those who chase fantasies have no sense. So that's a I think a relatively significant problem in our society that is that people sometimes don't take what are otherwise good jobs because they're hanging out for some pipe dream of a job uh, that even if it comes won't pay the bills. Again, like the sluggard fixed the door frame, it's not necessarily the case uh, that those people are lazy in the conventional sense, but they lack wisdom in that all their energy is going into things that are desperately unlikely to come about. 
Uh, Notice that those who chase fantasies are like those who are lazy in that they also suffer poverty. The same fate affects both the lazy person and the person who is productively pursuing uh, an empty dream. The second second other danger that uh, we can face is that we choose the wrong work to do first. So Proverbs 24 verse 27, put your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. So remember that Proverbs was written to people who lived off the land and the point of this proverb is to say that we should do the work first, the work in the field, the work which is going to enable us to live. We should do the work that's going to enable us to live first and after that, build the house. That is, after that, make the nice place, the pleasurable, comfortable life. Do the, do the essential work first uh, and then the other work. So for today's society, the proverb might be better expressed as do what you're paid for first and then do the other work that you'd really like to do. Uh, There's often little jobs or big jobs that we really like to do. We just love to do them. It might actually be building the house. You you just can't wait to build uh, the house or improve the house or renovate the house. But it could be lots of other projects too that you would love to do. Uh, Maybe it's fitting out the caravan or building a back deck or putting in a, a new veggie garden or redoing the lawn, maybe it's learning something new, learning to paint or learning a, an instrument or, or learning uh, to write or something like that. But that isn't to write books, not just to learn to write. But whatever it is, uh, there are so many fun things to do. But this proverb says, don't do them first, do the work that you need to do first, do that work that you need to do in order to live. So, that's true, of course, in the case of paid work. Do your paid work before you do other things. So don't, don't take, you know, don't not turn up at work because you're building the back deck uh, and then you get fired. Clearly that's true. But this proverb speaks into other work situations or other situations that involve work too. Uh, so if you're, in, if you're a student, the main work that you have to do is to study and to do assignments and, and whatever else. Well, do that work First, before other less important work, like mowing the lawn or washing the car, whatever else it is. We all know how, as students, washing the dishes and mowing the lawn never looks as attractive as it does when you have a big assignment to do. Oh, I'll just wash the dishes. That'd be such a noble thing for me to do at this particular moment when I should be writing and finishing my assignment. No, do the most important work first and then do the other work. Uh, And just in general life, the principle is helpful as well. Make the dinner rather than dithering dithering away the time on a craft project. Clean the bathroom rather than beginning that that, uh, patio that you'd love to have in the backyard but you don't really need to do first. Uh, And the flip side of this proverb too is not only that you do the most important work first, but once you've got that work done, go ahead and have some fun building the house. The proverb doesn't say, only work in the field and never build the house. It says, do that work first and then build the house. Go for it. Go for your life. Enjoy it. 
Once you've got it done, God has made this world to be enjoyed, not just to be worked at slavishly. Wisdom is not endless days in the field, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Wisdom in work is doing what needs to be done, acquitting ourselves of that, and enjoying the other things that God has created for us to do. So laziness is foolishness, Work, working hard is wise, uh, because laziness leads to poverty and work leads to provision. But before we finish, I just want to briefly step back and think about work more broadly. Because I think it's important for us in thinking about what it is to work wisely, to understand that at the heart of this view of work is understanding that work itself is not a curse, but actually a gift from God. God made us to work. Uh, When he made human beings, God made us to work and to develop his world in imitation of him. He works. And so we work, uh, and in that respect, are like him. And although our world has been marred by sin, uh, so that work is now cursed and work is difficult and at times frustrating, work itself is still a good gift from God. And the gospel confirms that. The gospel doesn't change that fact. Uh, Chris read earlier, and I want to read again those words of Paul from Ephesians, where he says that God has saved us. He saved us from slavery. That is, he saved us from a bad form of work. We were enslaved to Satan. We were enslaved to our own sinful desires. And God has saved us, not for an eternal holiday in the sky, but he has saved us to work. He says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In Jesus, we're being remade into the image of Jesus, but we're being remade for a purpose. We're being remade to do good works that God has already mapped out that we might walk in them. In other words, work is not a have-to. Work is not, I must do this. But work is a, is a get-to. I get to do this. This is a gift, Work is not something that we need to do to earn God's favour or to make us happy with him. Work is God's gift to us to satisfy us and to glorify him. And the good news of the gospel is that God has done the work to save us. He's done the heavy lifting. He's rescued all those who put their trust in Jesus. He's done the work. We don't need to do it in order to save ourselves. But now that having been saved, he prepares good works for us to do in grateful response to him. Well, what does that mean? It means in the first place that we're not enslaved to work. We don't have to be enslaved to work. We don't have to work to please God. We don't have to work 24-7. God has made us to rest. He's made us to, to work six days and to rest one. So instead of being enslaved to work, we work to delight in God's gifts to us and to delight our Heavenly Father. We work as well because that's how God made us. 
Work is not only about providing, it's also about living as God made us to live. One of the lies of laziness is that laziness will satisfy us and make us happy and work will make us sad. Uh, We think that doing nothing will be enjoyable, but actually there's this deep sense in which what really satisfies us is not doing nothing, but living as God made us to live. Working and developing his world, doing the good works that he prepared in advance for us to do, and then resting. And how do we rest? We rest in the way that God rested. At the end of each day, and God saw all that he had done, and he saw that it was good. And at the end of the week, he took a day off, and he looked back, and he said, that's some good work. Pretty happy with that. God made us to work in imitation of him, but he also made us to rest so that we can enjoy the work and find delight in having done it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you that you made us to work. Uh, Thank you that you made us to be like you, to imitate you in building and developing and cultivating uh, the world under you. Thank you for providing, uh, for, uh, thank you for, that you've made work so that we can provide for ourselves and others with the skills and talents that you've given to us. But Lord, we recognize that often we're lazy, uh, often we fail to begin things or we fail to finish them, uh, often we make excuses or we, we sit at work and go nowhere, we chase fantasies, we endlessly talk and never do anything. Lord, forgive us for all those kinds of laziness. Uh, Forgive us through Jesus. Uh, And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come and empower us to do that work prepared by the Father for us to do. Uh, Enable us to enjoy it and to delight in it. Uh, And Father, receive our work, imperfect as it is this side of eternity. Receive our work through the perfect perfect intercession of the Lord Jesus Christ, your Son and our Saviour. We ask it for his name's sake. Amen.